Kevin looking. Long to the basket. Yo, yo, whoop, whoop, yo, yo. There's no ball like college basketball. So let's get the dipping wings together and get the boys and girls over. Because it's about to go down in college basketball time. This episode of The Needle is brought to you by D1CoachCorner.com. Your source for Division I college basketball. Thank you for tuning in to our 42nd episode of The Needle. Again, my name is Jack Williams, owner and operator of D1CoachCorner.com. Your source for college basketball news, rankings, and predictions. D1 Coach Corner is the number one source for college basketball preseason predictions and college basketball coach evaluations. The Needle College Basketball Podcast will bring you 52 weeks of college basketball talk on topics dealing with Division One basketball coaches and their teams. In this episode of the Needle, we'll be going over week four of college basketball, and we will see which team has moved the needle either upward or downward. And then we'll look into some of our outstanding players of the week, and then our new coach impact segment of the show, which will highlight coaches who have recently taken over a team and has positively impacted that team as a result of him being there. And if you like our show, go subscribe to our iTunes and YouTube channels. Let us continue to be your number one source for preseason college basketball predictions and college basketball coach evaluation. This week was filled with great tournaments and showcases. A few of the bigger tournaments were the Maui Jim Maui Invitational Tournament, which featured teams such as BYU, Davidson, Georgia, Kansas, Michigan State, UCLA, Virginia Tech, and Division II Powerhouse Chaminade. We also had the NIT season tip-off last week, which featured power conference teams such as Ole Miss, Syracuse, Oklahoma State, and Penn State. We also had the bad boy Moore's battle for Atlantis, which included power conference teams such as North Carolina, Oregon, Michigan, Gonzaga, Iowa State, Seton Hall, Alabama, and mid-major Southern Mississippi. We also had the Hall of Fame Classic, which featured power conference teams such as Butler, Missouri, Oklahoma, and Stanford. Then the Continental Tire Las Vegas Invitational, which features teams like Texas Tech, Creighton, Iowa, and San Diego State. And lastly, the Emerald Coast Classic, which hosted teams like Purdue, Chicago State, VCU, Jackson State, Florida State, Chattanooga, Tennessee, and Alabama State. All great tournaments, but we're going to start out by discussing the most exciting tournament of the week, which was the Bad Boy Moore's Battle for Atlantis. How about Michigan, the champions of the tournament? I'm going to tell you, this team surprised the hell out of me this year. The way that Michigan is playing, they could end up ranked number one real soon, which will make Jawan Howard the first good to great ex-NBA player to do so. He'll probably be the first rookie Division One head coach to have done that in a long time. I got to admit that I'm impressed by this Michigan team. When I was at the Big Ten Media Day event, I was sitting at the round table where the media was interviewing Coach Howard that day. As I was standing there recording, Coach Howard stopped in the middle of his statement and he was talking to another member of the media. And he looked at my name tag as if he was trying to see which company I was working for. Then he asked, is your name Joshua? I replied, no. I thought for a minute that he was going to be looking at my tag to say, you that asshole who predicted me to place last in the Big Ten this season. But he and Memphis coach Penny Hardaway are about to change that narrative forever that good to great NBA players don't make good coaches. 
Michigan won that tournament, of course. But I did predict that there was something special about this Oklahoma State team, though, who were the winners of the NIT season tip-off. This is an Oklahoma State team that returned their entire starting lineup from last season. Thomas DeZagua, Lindy Waters the third, Cameron McGriff, Isaac Likely, and Yor Anae. And they've also added some good recruits to the roster. This Oklahoma State team is deep. Oklahoma State has a very challenging schedule for the rest of the season. Their next four games for the month of December will feature four teams that are power conference teams, such as Georgetown, Wichita State, Houston, and Minnesota. And I don't think either of these teams are capable of beating Oklahoma State. So with that said, let's look at a few needle-moving games for week four of college basketball. Starting with Monday, November 25th, Monday felt like a super Tuesday. There were a lot of good needle-moving games and a lot of neutral territory tournaments going on this day. The first one we can talk about is Virginia Tech versus Michigan State in the Maui Invitational. Virginia Tech moves the needle big time with an upset over Michigan State in the Maui Gym Invitational. This is Virginia's second big win of the season. They won a true road game against Clemson on November 5th, 2019. And now this. Virginia Tech was also 6-0 after this win. What killed Michigan State in this game was turnovers. Michigan State had 16 turnovers in that game compared to 9 for Virginia Tech. In any game where a team has more than 15 turnovers, that almost always equals a loss. But you got to give credit to Virginia Tech's defense that game because Michigan State is not a team that normally turns the ball over. This team is only averaging 11.3 turnovers per game this season, which is the 37th fewest in the nation. Landon Oli II went off this game, dropping 22 points and had five assists on Michigan State. Virginia Tech had five players in double-digit figures that game. After receiving 22 votes towards the top 25 in week four of the AP polls, Oklahoma takes a 19-point shellacking from Stanford, who is now 7-0 for the season, by the way. This is Stanford's best start since 2008-2009. Oklahoma never led the game, and Oklahoma is the only major conference team that Stanford has played in pre-conference play so far. Keep in mind that Oklahoma is not ranked, and this game was played on neutral territory, so don't expect the needle to move by much for Stanford, even though they are 7-0. This was Oklahoma's third major conference team that they played in pre-conference play. They won against the Big Ten's Minnesota on November the 9th in a neutral territory game and then won against another Pac-12 team, Oregon State, on the 12th of November in another neutral site game. This loss will probably affect Oklahoma more than the win will for Stanford because of the margin of victory. But we do know for a fact that the needle is going to be moving in the opposite directions for both of these teams come week five. Butler moved the needle upward by inches with this win over the SEC's Missouri on neutral territory and the Hall of Fame Classic. Butler received 22 points in the week four AP poll, but Missouri is not a ranked team. The game was played on neutral territory and the margin of victory was decent. Butler's real test is going to come on the 3rd of December when they play Ole Miss in Mississippi in a true road game. And this is a sneaky good Mississippi team, so watch out. Richmond got its second win over a major conference Division I team when they beat Wisconsin on Monday in the Legends Classic held on neutral territory. This was Wisconsin's second loss of the season, one to a ranked mid-major team and one to a non-ranked mid-major team. Wisconsin lost a true road game in their first game of the season against a ranked St. Mary's team. 
Arkansas gets its true road win for the season against Georgia Tech. Arkansas received 13 points towards the AP Top 25 in Week 4. That number should definitely move up in Week 5 rankings with this true road win, but not by much. That's because Georgia Tech is not ranked, nor have they had any impressive wins over a team this season. On Tuesday, November 26, 2019, we had three good needle-moving games. Stephen F. Austin at Duke, Dayton versus Virginia Tech, and the Maui Invitational and Stanford versus Butler. On this day, we got to witness the second biggest upset of the season when Stephen F. Austin defeated Duke at home. Duke can say goodbye to the number one spot come week five. Hey, sometimes it happens, and there's no real explanation why it happens except that the winning team outplayed the losing team. Stephen F. Austin beat Duke in a true road game just after they lost to Rutgers in a true road game. What a turn of events. This was Duke's first loss of the season, by the way. Everyone gets tired, so nothing to fear here. How about Dayton with a 27-point win over Virginia Tech on Tuesday in the Maui-Jim Maui Invitational? Dayton beats Virginia Tech the day after Virginia Tech upsets number 3 Michigan State. This was Dayton's second win in a row against a power conference team. Dayton had beat Georgia the day before in the same tournament by 19 points. Dayton went to 5-0 after the win. This is Virginia Tech's first loss of the season, however. But because of the margin of victory and because they lost to a non-ranked mid-major team, this loss basically weakens the impact of their upset against Michigan State. So we'll see how that plays out in Week 5's ranking. Butler moves the needle upward by defeating Stanford on neutral territory at the Hall of Fame Classic. Butler moves to 7-0 with this win over Stanford. Butler so far has wins over three power conference teams, Minnesota, Missouri, and now Stanford. Nothing to gloat about, though. On Wednesday, November 27, 2019, we had more needle-moving games. How about Oregon versus Seton Hall in the battle for Atlantis? Ranked Seton Hall loses to their second-ranked team this season when they lost to Oregon in the first round of the Bad Boy Moors Battle for Atlantis tournament. They lost to Michigan State at home in New Jersey on the 14th of November 2019. And then Oregon in this tournament. This Seton Hall team is still pretty good, but are they top 25 good? That's the question. I believe that they're top 25 good, but just not top 10 good. There is no doubt in my mind that Seton Hall is going to get to the postseason. How far they go is the question. The needle also continues to fall for Boston College with their home loss to the Atlantic 10 St. Louis. This game probably killed any postseason hopes for Boston College already, but... Boston College lost to three teams at home this season so far, which include two mid-major teams, Belmont and now St. Louis. It seems that this is going to be another tough season for Coach Jim Christian, who may not make it past this season if he doesn't do well. But this St. Louis team is looking very good this season. West Virginia picks up a good win on Wednesday against Wichita State in the Calhoun Challenge. West Virginia is having a far better season than they did last year so far. But was this win enough to put West Virginia in the top 25? But it should definitely get them some votes come week 5 of college basketball. Oscar Chibwey had a great game this night with 19 points and a career-high 18 rebounds. Chibwey averages 12.5 points and 9.8 rebounds per game so far. BYU moves the needle with a win over Virginia Tech. BYU's resumes get better as the time goes on. They beat Houston in a true road game and UCLA and Virginia Tech on neutral territory. This was Virginia Tech's second loss to a non-power conference team in a row. I think that Virginia Tech will eventually make it to the tournament when it's all said and done, but what would their seeding look like after these two losses in pre-conference play? 
pre-conference scheduling and wins and losses could have an effect on the postseason. Michigan continues to look good by starting their bad boy Morris battle for the Atlantic off with a win on this day. Michigan moved to 5-0 after that win on Wednesday. I'm impressed by this Michigan team this year. I didn't think that they had it in them, but we'll talk more on that later. On Thursday, November 28, 2019, Gonzaga makes their case for the number one spot with a win over Oregon in the semifinals of the Bad Boy Moors Battle for Atlantis. This Gonzaga team was very short-handed, but yet they are still finding a way to win. Just imagine if this team had all of its players. Omar Ballo, who was deemed ineligible to play this season due to his grades, Brock Revert, who is out for some unknown reason, and Antoine Watson, who may end up playing soon, is out with an ankle injury but with only seven players on the roster and some of them were hurt Gonzaga still pulled out a win over a ranked opponent to go on to play in the championship game against a good Michigan team speaking of Michigan Michigan beat North Carolina on this day this Michigan team like I said is better than everyone thought they were coach Howard got his first win over a ranked opponent in this tournament coach Howard got this team playing fast and efficient Michigan definitely won't miss the postseason in 2020 unless something goes terribly wrong. On Friday, November 29th, there were a plethora of needle-moving games. Man, Oklahoma State beat the short out of Ole Miss on Friday. A 41-point beatdown to win the NIT season tip-off championship. Oklahoma State is for real. The team that they beat, Ole Miss is a pretty decent team. They beat this team by 41 points. This Oklahoma State team is huge. Their point guard, Isaac Likely, is 6'4". That's big for a point guard. That means that he can see over the top of any smaller point guard that he's going against. The only problem with this Oklahoma State team is that the ball seems to stop moving when he's at the game. But what makes Oklahoma State so good is not their offense. It's their defense. They know how to turn stops into points. Oklahoma State is 17th in the nation in scoring defense, holding their opponents to an average 58.4 points per game. This team forces 16.2 turnovers per game, which is the 72nd best in the nation. Their point guard, Isaac Likely, is 6'4 and can control the floor better than any other point guard in college basketball. He averages 13.7 points, 5.3 rebounds, and 5 assists per game. He has the whole package. You got a point guard who can score a floor general, and is a good rebounder. Isaac Lysley also plays the gap well. He's consistently looking for that ball. He's averaging 2.9 steals per game this season. In the Syracuse game, he had five steals. He had three steals against Ole Miss, and because their guards are so big, it's hard to shoot threes over this team. That's why Oklahoma State is ranked fourth in the nation in three-point field goal defense, and if you manage to get past the point guards, you'll have to see Yo Anai sitting down there waiting on you. He is an excellent rim protector. He averages 3.3 blocks per game this season. He had four blocks against Ole Miss. I love this Oklahoma State team this year and think they they're going to go a long way. North Carolina stopped the needle from falling with the win over Oregon in their third place game of the Maui Invitational. But for Oregon, the needle continues to fall. The one thing about Oregon, though, is that they tend to step up towards the end of the season and in the postseason. So don't count them out.
Creighton bounces back after a loss against San Diego State by defeating a ranked Texas Tech team in the Continental Tire Las Vegas Invitational. This was a good resume win for Creighton, however. This was actually the first needle-moving win for Creighton this season. Their games before this have been against small teams, except the one against Michigan on the 12th of November, in which they lost. I don't know if this win is good enough to get them some votes in the top 25. Iowa State suffers its third loss to a power conference team, and its loss to a ranked Seton Hall team in the bad boy Moore's battle for Atlantis. The only power conference team that Iowa has won against this season was against Alabama in the same tournament. Good win for Seton Hall as well, but Seton Hall has shown us in pre-conference play that they can't beat a ranked team so far. So far, they've lost to Michigan State in the Gavit game tip-off and against Oregon in the bad boy Moore's battle for Atlantis. St. Mary's defended their home court against a ranked Utah State team. This was also St. Mary's very first win this season over a ranked opponent. A good resume building win for St. Mary's. The needle falls dramatically for VCU in their loss to Purdue in the Emerald Coast Classic. Purdue is another team that can't seem to win a game against a power conference team. Purdue lost to Texas and Marquette earlier this season. These are two teams that are not very strong power conference teams this season. Therefore, a loss to Purdue is not a good loss for VCU. BCU and may cause them to fall out of the top 25 come week 5 of college basketball. DePaul continues to impress with this third true road win of the season. All three against power conference teams. DePaul defeated a struggling Minnesota team at home. Unfortunately, the power conference teams that DePaul have beaten were not strong power conference teams. But Iowa, a team that they defeated earlier in the season, just recently beat a ranked and very good Texas Tech team, which strengthens DePaul win over Iowa. Boston College has lost four games against non-power conference teams. Therefore, that win doesn't move the needle by much. Minnesota has lost every game against power conference teams. They are 3-4 and four for the season thus far. In conclusion, the Iowa game is the only win that really counts for DePaul. But like I said earlier, a true road win is always good for the resume. I still believe that the University of Southern California needs a good season this year in order for Coach Enfield to keep his job. So far, they haven't been impressive at all. They haven't had any impressive wins this season thus far. This Marquette loss is not good for USC's resume. Michigan won the bad boy Moore's battle for Atlanta with a win over a ranked Gonzaga team. Now, some people say that this was a depleted Gonzaga team, which it was. But the same depleted Gonzaga team beat Oregon in the semifinals. Great needle-moving win for Michigan. Florida State won their second win against a ranked opponent this season by defeating a ranked Tennessee team. So Florida State may be in the top 25 come week five. And lastly, San Diego State beats their second powerhouse team in a row by defeating Iowa on Friday. Now, Saturday, the only significant needle-moving game on Saturday was between ranked Tennessee and ranked VCU and Florida State at Purdue in the Emerald Classic games. Can you believe that both the ranked teams were playing in the third round of that tournament and the two unranked teams, Florida State and Purdue, were playing in the championship game? Of course, Florida State won the Emerald Classic Championship because the championship game was played in their home state. And now for our Outstanding Players of the Week. Our Outstanding Players of the Week portion of the show highlights players who have made a major impact on the game this week. Who are they? John Teske, a senior from Michigan. Isaac Livers, a junior from Michigan. Isaac Likely, a sophomore from Oklahoma State. And Oscar Shaboy, a freshman at West Virginia. Teske was the difference maker in the game against Gonzaga. 
I mean, he played like a big man was supposed to play. He had a double-double in that game, scoring 19 points and snatching down five rebounds in that game. He also had four blocked shots. Teske is a very important part of this Michigan team this season and will be instrumental in Michigan going deep into the postseason. His teammate Isaac Livers also made a difference in the Gonzaga game. He dropped 21 points to help give Michigan the win. Isaac Likely is a huge point guard who can shoot. He's a floor general and is a great rebounding guard. He is one of the reasons that this Oklahoma State team is doing so well this season. He is fun to watch this season, and he's tough, and he plays big. West Virginia hasn't lost a game this season as of yet, and one of the reasons why is the freshman Oscar Chaboy, who's close to averaging a double-double this season. Chaboy dropped 19 points and snapped down 18 rebounds on Wichita State. And now on to our new coach impact portion of the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by D1 Coach Corner, your source for Division I college basketball coaches. In this new Coach Impact segment, we'll be discussing coaches who have been head coach of a Division One team for no more than five years and who are on the upper trend towards taking that team to another level. This week's new Coach Impact highlights Coach Jawan Howard of Michigan. This Michigan team is playing fast and is having fun under the new coach and former NBA star Jawan Howard. Michigan will be a force to reckon with in this 2020 postseason. Great job, Coach Howard. And that concludes our show for this week. Join us next week at the same time and channel for a new episode. We'll be happy to take on your questions and comments on our Twitter for our next episode. Our Twitter handle is at D1CoachCorner. That is at D1CoachCorner. See you next week.